Hello, and welcome back to We Are the Weirdos, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hillary Michelle Post, and I'm joined by my sister, Lace Mason. Hi, Lacey. Hey. So this is take two. <laughs> um, I Just like last week, I'm recording this on my phone because my internet in my room is being really funky. So... Um, Forgive us, this is us rehashing the intro a little bit, but we'll recap what we said. <laughs> it, it kept dropping anyway, so who knows even what the first recording captured. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of... <laughs> so, who knows. Um, I, in the last recording, I asked Lacey what she was up to today, and kind of like me, she had watched this movie and um, not a whole lot else. That's pretty much my... Take two. I waited till the very last minute and watched it like 5.30 this morning. Because all the people that are really into the spooky stuff were doing real life things. So she got stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, like, well, no, that's not true. Yeah, like, oh, no. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Misconstru- misconstrue it. Um, like I was originally, there was a couple different movies that I was going to do for spooky season, but Julie wanted to be in both of them and her and Heather are in Philly doing the gritty 5k. So hi to Julie and Heather. Um, they look like they had a lot of fun. So hi to them. And Lacey and I were discussing earlier how that is so not us. <laughs> like <laughs> It was, I couldn't walk a 5k, run a 5k, do anything for 5k. <laughs> Maybe I, could, I mean, like if gritty was chasing me, I could run 5K real quick. <laughs> he scares me, but other than that, nope. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I'm all tangled up in cords. I'm watching my food cook from the porch because I have an oven light. <laughs> <laughs> what are you cooking? Uh, chicken pot pie. Oh, nice. All made? Oh, yeah. Oh. It's the worst recipe in the world, Hillary. Like... It's the worst for you ever. You would not even believe the amount of fat. Just because. Like, I added it a little bit because it was his grandma's recipe. And, ooh. But, like, she's like, just put the veggie juice from the can in there. Put mayonnaise in there. Put soup in there. Put, I mean, it is over fucking load. And then the biscuit uh, layer that you put on top has, like, an entire stick of melted butter in it. And all this fatty fat milk. And it is, it's delicious. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. I mean, yeah. part, but otherwise it sounds funny. I mentioned to mom like last week that I, we haven't had her homemade macaroni salad in a while. So she made it for me tonight. That's pretty much going to be my whole dinner because she made like a Boston butt and is making pork and beans. And I don't eat either of those things. So I'm just like, that's fine. Just give me a huge fucking bowl of macaroni salad. I'm set. Oh, I've been thinking about that kind that she made it for the baby shower, like all day for some reason. Oh, I don't ever make that stuff for myself because he won't eat it. But I feel like if I did, I could eat the whole thing. Oh, hell yeah. Good shit. Mom makes a pasta salad for that suddenly salad from the box, but she adds like extra cheese and peppers and stuff. And it's really good. Um, damn, I'm hungry. I'm going to drink more wine. <laughs> <laughs> so today, um, we're going to be talking about a movie that admittedly, 
has been talked about to death by other queer podcasts and horror podcasts and commenta- commentators and things like that. So I, probably why I, I took so long to do it. We're on like year three of this podcast and you'd think I would have done this earlier. Um, but I finally said, fuck it. I, A, I wanted to talk about it and B, I wanted to make Lacey watch it. today we're talking about the 1983 queer vampire classic the hunger and um what did you think Lacey? because a the audience hasn't heard and b half of what you said last time we did this cut out so i didn't even really hear it anyway so (laughs) i said that i would like to read the book that it's loosely based on because i think it would be a little more deep but i liked it a little enough (laughs) Enough. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I just needed more from the story. Like it, it, I got real into it, and then like I felt like it was just rushed to the end. But I always feel that way. So what's new? But her boobs were great. Lots of boobs. Yeah. Um, and I, and she said earlier that this movie was made for her, and it literally was. Oh. Like two minutes of just watching David Bowie trying to sleep. I'm like, oh my god. How long is this? I like timed it. I'm like, oh my God, we're still looking at just David Bowie laying here. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like well, I told Lacey, it's like, this movie is not really a movie. It's just a, a vibe. It's just, it's very atmospheric and subtle and visual, but those visuals are like 90% just cigarette smoke billowing curtains and boobies that's- <laughs> oh yeah that's what i left out i left out that i had to watch the movie on my phone so i could sit outside and smoke because that's all they did and they made it look so hot so i wanted to smoke with them <laughs> and scientists in a lab doing blood work smoking like <laughs> don draper from Mad Men. just <laughs> now, at one point at one point there's a lady in the hospital that tells somebody not to smoke and i'm like bitch why everybody's fucking smoking. The doctors are back there smoking behind the curtain. Why the fuck? Why can't he sit there and smoke? And she says, smoking is not permitted. And then he puts out his cigarette in an ashtray. And is sitting there. Like, if smoke's not permitted, why is there an ashtray? (laughs) Um, I don't know if you're old enough to really remember that. But, like, there were ashtrays everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into the hunger. Um, see, let me go skip through my notes a little bit. Oh, okay. So, like Lacey said, um, The Hunger is loosely based on a novel uh, by the same name by Whitney Strieber. Um, the producer, Richard Shepard, actually read the novel when it was still just a manuscript and acquired the film rights before it was even officially published. I believe a couple other books written by the same author have also been made into films, but I forget what they are. Um, there are two sequels to The Hunger, um, though they have neither have been adapted into film. Though we'll get into it later, but the ending of this movie was changed at the last minute to accommodate a potential sequels, but that didn't happen. Um, I wondered that. Yeah. Um, the Hunger is directed by Tony Scott, who is Ridley Scott's brother. Um, but Tony Scott is a very successful director in his own right. He, after this, this was like his first feature length film, I think. Um, but he went on to direct Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2 and True Romance and a bunch of others. 
Um, so on this podcast, we have now talked about films directed by Ridley Scott's brother and his daughter, but I don't think we've done any of his movies yet. That's where I, you couldn't hear me. I said, isn't he the one that did Alien? He, yes, the first one. Oh my God, look at me go. Ooh, I will <laughs> say, I if you ever want to do that, I love that movie. Do you? I We watched all of those movies like in one day. Wow, I haven't even seen all of them. <gasps> really? I, I don't know why. I loved them. But the first one especially. Yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, we could do that at some point. It's a good call. Um, so, so the movie is set in New York. Uh, the majority of the film was shot in London for budgetary reasons, um, except for some exterior shots. Um, the I couldn't find the budget. It ended up grossing like ten million dollars, <laughs> but like I think I told Lazy earlier, like the, the whole budget went to curtains anyway. So it's like who knows. <laughs> It cost that much. Um, the film premiered at the 1983 Cannes Film Festival before being released by MGM. It received mixed reviews upon release, but later emerged as a cult classic because obviously the goths and the gays ate it up. And we are oh, the true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get into the plot a little bit. Um, it's hard to talk about really linear, linearly um, because the movie's kind of all over the place, but I, I think I kind of ex- got notes that explain the plot fairly well. Um, so the film centers on a vampire named Miriam Blaylock. Now, that being said, they never say the word vampire anytime in the film. Um, and they, they don't, don't have... They never say it one time. They don't have fangs. Um, I believe in the book, if I'm remembering correctly, I haven't read the book, but I've read about the book. Um, it's explained that vampires are kind of like their own race, like their own species. Um, so Miriam is a vampire and lives forever. Um, but she can give people vampiric powers by giving them blood, but they're not exactly full-blown vampire like she is. Um, Miriam is played by the gorgeous Catherine Deneuve. Something like that. Um, (laughs) I even looked up how to say it. I was like, how do you pronounce it? And then what I looked up was a French guy. I was like, okay, well, (laughs) of course you can say it. (laughs) You're French. (laughs) Um, Miriam has been around a long time. We see little flashes in the movie of her and Anne ancient Egypt. So she's been around a long, long time. She's an ancient. And uh, throughout her life, she takes humans and turns them into her vampire lovers. And for the, like the last 200, 300 years or so, her partner has been John, played by David Bowie. And John is a cellist who she met in 18th century France. Um, David Bowie actually learned to play the cello for his music scenes because he's David Bowie and he's extra. God love wow. Him. That is extra. Cause he yeah, plays I mean, it for like a second. I know he plays it in like one scene. It's like, of course you would. God, God love him. I love David Bowie so much. Um, now living in modern day, New York, they pose as a wealthy, um, as wealthy mu- music instructors and a married couple, which kill, which cracks me up because like 
they're ancient. So I wonder if Blaylock it was John's last name or if it was Miriam's last name and John took it. How queer and awesome would that be? I bet it is her name. I love that. I saw a TikTok the other day that was like, <laughs> it was like a girl doing a sketch. So it was her talking to herself, but she was like, I'm not going to bet take my husband's last name because uh, I don't like the patriarchy. And she's like, so you're just going to keep your, uh, your father's. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and this girl stitch it. And she's like, fuck that. Let's all make up our own last names. <laughs> like, yeah, I think we should come up with new ones. Like yeah. combine their last names together. Lazy yeah, like most. <laughs> That's how I used to sign my checks forever because I couldn't remember what the hell my last name was. <laughs> didn't you it took you all to legally change it didn't yes it? i was the same i'm like fuck that i'm still lacy post <laughs> and then one day i was just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know i just one day woke up and it just felt weird yeah i don't know i don't we have the problem of our our name being a word so like i can't hyphenate it because it sounds like after whatever like, if I marry, like, a, a Hanson, I'd be, like, post-Hanson. It sounds like I'm saying, like, after her. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I just always took issue with the fact that, because, I mean, my whole life, I was like, I can't wait to get married and get rid of this name. Like, people love to make fun of that name. But when it was time to, I didn't want to. And I realized that everybody in our family who had that last name were girls, and there weren't going to be any more posts. And it made me sad. And then I was like, well, I ain't having kids anyway, so whatever. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things of like, maybe it's for the best. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> There's a reason none of the post girls had Peters. There's a reason. <laughs> God said, let it end here. <laughs> um, so we see John and Miriam at a nightclub and the band uh, Bauhaus are performing their famous Gothic band. Um, John and Miriam seduce a couple and bring them home. There's practically no, no dialogue. It's all just exchange glances and lots of smoking. Lots of smoking. <laughs> I was um, like, what is happening? I don't understand. It took me a second really to understand what was happening because it was just like a lot of flashes and cuts and smoke yeah. and pointing. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like, there's just a bunch of white people. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> It's confusing. <laughs> Don't know how any of those fuckers could see. All of them wearing sunglasses all the time. <laughs> That's definitely an 83 thing. Yeah. And a golf thing. Um, did you ever watch uh American Horror Story Hotel? No. It borrows very heavily from this from this movie. Very, very oh. heavily. Yeah. Um even down to the beginning of that season, you see Lady Gaga and her partner go out and like seduce a couple and bring them home and kill them. Um, which is what Miriam, John and Miriam do. Um, they bring them back and kind of do a little swinger action where Miriam takes the guy and John takes the girl and um, are doing kind of sexy times. And then they both wear these onk pendants that have knives hidden in them and they slash their throats. Because like I said, they don't have fangs, so they have to cut to make, to get to the blood. 
there's that great shot of David Bowie just licking that girl's neck. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so hot. This is the perfect um, time frame, too, because it was before he got his te- teeth fixed. Yeah. I love janky teeth, Bowie. I like he was handsome with his fake teeth and everything, too, but like, love me some janky teeth, Bowie. <laughs> That's a good people personality, I think. Yeah. Like, oh. did Sam. Jewel got her teeth fixed and he was so fucking mad. <laughs> so mad. He's like, it's what made her hot. <laughs> funny. I was watching um little Nikki a couple weeks ago because we were gonna do it for the podcast, which I'm sure we will eventually. But um one of the characters calls Patricia Arquette a, a snaggle tooth, and I was like, oh <laughs> that's a little too close to home. That's kind of messed up. I like, know. Snaggle tooth. I was like, ah, it's awful. It's funny. Um, so John and Miriam splash these couple thirds and drink from them, and then they burn them in an incinerator that they have in their basement. Very handy. No shit. I was like, wonder how much one of those fuckers cost. Right. <laughs> and who, who installed it? And did they ask questions? <laughs> And no, I thought that too. I was like, I wonder if people have to, like, if you have to have a license for one of those things. Like, if yeah. you have to be monitored for having something like that in your house. It's a good point. Good point. Oh, Dottie girl, what are you doing? She's in my way. <laughs> um, so, they dispose of the bodies, and there's this that great sequence of Miriam and John just making out in the shower that's really hot. Just hot, naked, wet people making out. Like I said, movies is a vibe. It's like a music video. It's just like, it's <laughs> happening, but I like it. <laughs> um, so John starts to experience insomnia. And after a rough night without any sleep, Miriam and John have a music lesson with their student, Alice, who is super precocious and funny. Um, when Miriam mentions to Alice that John is having trouble sleeping, Alice is like, you want some quaaludes? I stole them from my mom. <laughs> she has them all. She's got everything you need. Yeah, I was like, damn, Alice is a little pharmacy. <laughs> um, but it's implied that uh, Miriam is kind of grooming Alice in a way. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is so funny because like Alice is so quirky. Like, I can't imagine her, even once she grows up, imagine her being like this killer, this creature that, you know what I mean? It'd just be, she'd be so, I don't know. It'd be funny. She's also very like sharp. Yeah. Very smart. Doesn't seem like somebody that would be able to be fooled. Yeah. Um, That's why you groom them, I guess, from the time they're little bitty ones. Right. Exactly. Creepy. Uh, John begins to age rapidly, and he realizes that when Miriam turned him into a vampire and told him he'd be immortal, while technically true, it was misleading. He has eternal life, but not eternal youth. And eventually, all of her lovers hit a point where they age super fast and then basically live forever as conscious corpses that Miriam secretly keeps in coffins in the attic. Um. I don't, I wonder if I feel pain. I don't know. Like, 
it's fucked up that Miriam, like, I don't think she mentions this to people, obviously, <laughs> before she changes uh-uh. them. Um, this movie is a big, like, rape allegory, because there's a lot of non-consensual shit happening to people. Um, oh, yeah. But it's, like, not worth it. Like, I'm sure at the time, even if you know, it would still be tempting, because you're like, I get 300 years of being hot and fucking Catherine Denver. Denovu or Denuvu or or the fucker name is. <laughs> yeah, it'd still kind of be tempting. I guess I don't. I don't know why you would tell them that they'd live forever. Like you could still promise them, you know, this amazing life a lot longer than. Maybe just leave out the part where they're going to lay in a box and still hear everything. <laughs> she said feel, so I don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, that's why she doesn't mention it, I imagine, because she's like, yeah, it's going to be awesome, and it's going to suck really hard. You're just going to be a fucking corpse in a box in my attic. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So, obviously, John does not want this fate. So, both Miriam and John seek out Dr. Sarah Roberts, played by Susan Sarandon. Oh, she's so hot in this movie. Fuck. Good lord, yeah. Sarah is a gerontolo- gerontologist, I think it's pronounced who is researching rapid aging in primates. Um, She works with colleagues Charlie and her boyfriend Tom. And Miriam makes contact with Sarah, but using her psychic powers, she can tell that none of Sarah's research is definitive. And she won't really be able to help. um, So she forgets that. But John goes to Sarah's office. And Sarah just thinks that John is crazy and tries to blow him off. And makes them wait in the waiting room. And that's where Lacey and I were talking about the c- cigarette. Put, you can't smoke in here, blah, 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 but there's an ashtray. And she leaves him there for a long time. Um, and John ages several more decades just sitting there waiting. And so Sarah realizes he's telling the truth. So she's like, oh my god, let me help. But now John is like, nah, fuck you. And he really needs to feed, so he bolts. This is a really morbid, morose thought, but I'm going to share it anyway. Seeing David Bowie in that really, really old age makeup made me really sad because we won't get to see David Bowie really, really old. Yeah. That's all I could think about during that sequence. I was like, this is a bummer. (laughs) I don't even remember how old he was when he died. I don't know, but he still looked great. Oh, hell yeah. I always joke that, like, he pickled himself with cocaine. (laughs) Oh, sure. Cocaine and schnapps. So Alice stops by the townhouse. And um, obviously doesn't recognize John. And he says he's just a friend. And she keeps making comments. She's like, are you you John's dad? You guys have the same eyes. Which would be true because David Bowie has his really distinct eyes, the two different colors and the dilated pupil and stuff. Like, if someone else had those eyes, you'd be like, that's eh, suspicious. Yeah. Just dark, you know. Um, and a desperate John, hoping her blood will revive him, kills and drinks Alice. But it doesn't help at all. Uh, so John begs Miriam to put him out of his misery. But Miriam tearfully tells him that she can't, that there is no release. 
um, and collapses. He falls down their basement stairs and Miriam carries him to a coffin in the attic with her other decrepit ex-lovers. They got a big fucking townhouse too, man. Cause she like takes the elevator up and then still has to go up several steps. Yeah. I'm like, why wouldn't you make the elevator go all the way up? <laughs> well, that's like a service elevator, isn't it? Haven't you ever noticed it's like teeny teeny? Yeah, that's true. It's like a dumb waiter. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, dumb waiter. Oh my god. I was thinking too. I wonder if that. I was watching, and I it was kind of like filmed in slow mo and with fucking billowing curtains in the way the whole goddamn time, so you can't really tell. But. I was wondering how they shot that because she's, it shows her carrying him. So I was like, well, it must be a dummy, but I could have sworn he was moving. So I was like, is Catherine like really carrying a dummy? I, mean, I don't imagine. think so. They might have done a few shots where they had him move, but like, I know I'd noticed at one point it definitely was a dummy. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so Miriam is feeling lonely after losing both John and Alice. And then Sarah shows up looking for John. And Miriam is clearly into her, which you'd have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to be into her because it's Susan fucking Sarandon. Um, and Sarah gives Miriam her number. And this is another thing where like the whole theme of non non-consent comes in because you're always wondering in stories like these if Kath, if Miriam had no powers whatsoever, would Sarah still be into her? Or if- I wondered that too, because at first I was like, is this chick just like that charismatic that she just sucks these people in? But yeah, clearly she just mind controls, mind fucks everybody. Right. Which, what's the fun in that? You know what I mean? Like, why? I agree. Fun to be with someone who, unless, uh, that's just me. It would have to be easier. I mean, clearly she doesn't want to be alone. I'm like that. Nope. Too codependent. But it would just be easier than trying to bring new people in your life constantly and have a secret, you know, that you're worried they're going to tell. Yeah, that's true. Um, A cop comes by looking for Alice. And Miriam feigns ignorance and claims that John is in Switzerland. And the cop is like, this bitch is sus. He has nothing to go on, so. Just let it go. Um, Dan Hedaya. Don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. in my notes. <laughs> um, so Miriam kind of like psychically draws Sarah back to her. And I have a bunch of notes about psychic powers, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I also have notes of how hot. Susan is in these scenes because she has like this androgynous energy that contrasts so well with Catherine's like high femme energy. Yeah. And just rocking that white t-shirt with nothing on underneath and you can just see titties for days and her short haircut and slacks and just and they drink sherry and flirt like crazy. And um Sarah gets Sherry on her shirt. 
and takes it off and it's very i mean it's kind of porny but it's like oh i spelled cherry i should take it off and do it. <laughs> it was super porny <laughs> not kind of porny <laughs> super porny and that fucking classical music is playing don't get me fucking started hillary that is my favorite classical song that is my favorite classical song the flower duet and now, every time I hear it, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, I see her titties. Which, I mean, isn't a bad thing, but it's definitely not the the calm that it used to bring to me before. <laughs> um, they have sex, and it's all shot rather tastefully, I feel. Um, it could have been way worse. Um. And I, I love a lot of curtains. A lot of curtains. There's like a mirror, like it's not like hanging by the bed. It's like on the bed. <laughs> Did you notice this? It's like no. against, but it's like sitting on the bed. I don't know. It's very strange. Um, apparently they did use body doubles for a lot of the shots. Um, probably. <laughs> When Miriam's mouth is just like straight up on a nipple, I was probably like, "That's probably not too straight as a nipple." <laughs> Aw, lame. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Um, the movie. Wait, do we see a shot with her boobies and her face? Yeah, um, not okay. with a mouth on them, but. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, like, we know for sure we saw her boobies. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Okay. Um, I. When they first were trying to get this movie rated, it kept coming back X. They had to re they had to re edit this sequence a lot because apparently it used to be way hotter. <sighs> um, <laughs> Hillary, damn it! Yeah, I'm wistfully like, oh, damn. um, so it kind of happens kind of fast, but Miriam, Sarah drinks from Miriam, drinks from her arm. And I guess it's just the psychic thing again, because you really don't know why. You're like, okay, sure. Um, but again, non-consent, because here she is giving Sarah these powers and this life without talking about it with her at all. Mm -hmm. At all. No communication whatsoever. Not good. Very toxic. Um. So that evening, Sarah has dinner with Tom, and they argue. And Tom's suspicious about the time that Sarah spent with Miriam. Which is weird, right? He's like, I mean, he's right. But it's well, weird. Well, you get these little hints in the conversation, like, that he's typically kind of controlling. But they don't go into it, like, at all. You don't get any background of this relationship whatsoever. Right. And it's like... He can't fathom that she hung out with this woman for three hours. It's just like, people have friends, Tom. <laughs> Do you not know how that works? But at the same time, he was right. They were fucking, so. He's just insecure, I guess. And maybe Sarah does have a track record of being queer, and he was insecure for, you know. Right. For being with the hot lady. Um. Sarah becomes sick when she tries to eat normal food and her colleagues do blood tests on her and see that there is a foreign presence in her blood, quote, fighting for dominance. Ah, oh, shit. I need a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, I bet you do. 
Yeah, food, <laughs> food apparently makes them sick, but they can drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes, and it doesn't face them at all. <laughs> um, Sarah goes to Miriam, and she's all angry and accusatory. She's like, what the fuck did you do to me? Which is fair. And oh, um, Wait a minute. Her colleagues find this like bruise, like this bite mark on her arm. And they're like, where did it come from? I don't, I don't know. I, just, I don't know where it came from. I have no idea how I got that. And they just let it go. Yeah, they probably thought it was like track marks or something. Just like, <laughs> Hi, Sarah. <laughs> and Miriam is just kind of like, well, you belong to me now. <laughs> we belong to each other. And uh, we're going to be together forever. And that's that. <laughs> Sarah's like, what the fuck? So Sarah storms off, but Miriam is like, you'll be back because you'll get hungry. And she's right. Um, Sarah starts, you know, getting this hunger for blood and she sees Catherine, at, or not Catherine, Miriam. She sees Miriam everywhere. Um, did you notice in that little phone booth scene that you see Willem Dafoe for like two seconds? Willem Dafoe and Ira from uh, Mad About You. Because <laughs> I got all excited because I was like, Willem Dafoe. And then I was like, oh, I always get excited when I get a name right. Just like right off the top of my head. And then, but I couldn't think of the other guy's name except for Ira. <laughs> there was a lot of big faces you just see for a second in this movie. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? I don't know. I guess like Tony Scott like really went to bat to get. I was reading before I rewatched the movie, reading you know doing research and stuff. And it, I saw a comment about, like, how he really went to bat to get Willem in the movie. And then I saw the scene. I was like, <coughs> he's on screen for two seconds. Like, who, who cares? <laughs> who fought you on this? I would almost be willing to bet there was another scene with him cut. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but Sarah does return to Miriam. And so Miriam goes out. And gets a prostitute to feed Sarah. And it's also, this whole thing is also an addiction allegory because she's like going through withdrawal like you would with drugs. She's sick and sweaty and miserable. and um, But she refuses to eat the prostitute. Because she you know, doesn't want to kill people, obviously. Something that Miriam probably should have ran by her first. <laughs> yeah. It's also fun watching this. Um around the same time that I've been watching Interview with the Vampire, the TV series, which is really good, by the way. Everyone should watch it. Because there's a lot of those parallels as well, with, like, Louie not wanting to eat people and him eating animals instead and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that's what kills me, too. Like, if she doesn't want to kill people, bring her, like, a Cocker Spaniel or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Give her something. Don't just let her right. lie there miserable. Um, but Tom arrives at Miriam's looking for Sarah and unable to control her thirst, Sarah kills and drinks him. And no one, <laughs> and in my mind, I'm just like, this is what you get for being a dick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for real, because she can't kill the person that she doesn't know, but she can kill her boyfriend. I mean, couldn't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if the stranger didn't do anything to me, this asshole's got it coming. 
Exactly. <laughs> she has a hard enough life. She's sucking dick. Dicks like this one. Let's just end this right now. One less dick this woman's ever going to have to suck. Damn straight. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> um, no one should look that hot covered in blood. She comes I, out do have, I did take issue with the blood. I thought the blood was too pinky. Well, the entire movie is blue. So it's like. That's true. It's very twilighty in that, like, it has a blue filter over it the entire time. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. Um, afterwards, um, after she kills Tom and after Miriam explains that they'll be together forever, Miriam and Sarah begin to kiss. And Sarah, not being, not wanting to live her life as an addict and a murderer, takes the onk necklace around from around Miriam's neck and stabs herself in the throat while they're still kissing I was so confused because I couldn't tell who stabbed what or if she had stabbed herself or if she had stabbed Miriam at first I was like what the fuck just happened it's very there's just like a tangle of bloody people for a while yeah and I'm like is she kissing her is she trying not to what the fuck is happening yeah (laughs) And Sarah's blood, like, kind of pours down Miriam's throat, I feel like. I feel like a lot about what happens coming up has to do with, like, her drinking a lot of Miriam's blood, Sarah's blood. Yeah. But. I lost my spot in minutes. Hold on. Oh, they, like, collapse on the floor in this huge puddle of blood. And. Miriam is, like, holding Sarah's wound, and Sarah, like, pries her hand off. She's like, no, I don't want to live. And Miriam's crying, and she carries Sarah upstairs to put her away with her other lovers. Because even bleeding herself out, I don't think it would have killed her anyway. I think she would have just become, like, a husk, like the other one. Yeah, yeah. Um, But when she gets to the attic, her exes have all risen from their coffins. And they attack her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she tries to run from them and she falls down the stairwell. And not like plunk, 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 like a dad down the stairs, like through the hole in the stairwell, like several stories. Woo. And when she gets, when she's laying there on the floor, she starts to wither. And um, something about Sarah's sacrifice like breaks Miriam's spell and the X's all crumble into dust. And I interpret it as they're finally at peace. Yeah. Yeah. And then Miriam rapidly decays as well. Um, so the cop returns to the townhouse to find that the entire estate is being sold. The owners are quote deceased And all the money is being funneled into Sarah's research center. And then at the very end of the film, we see Sarah alive with new lovers on a beautiful balcony. And Miriam is locked away in a box, screaming Sarah's name. Now. I love that part. I do too. I like, I like the ending. Um. But I understand the fact that they changed it at the last minute kind of pissed people off. Like, here's a quote from Susan Sarandon. 
about the movie's changed ending. She says, quote, The thing that made the film interesting to me was this question of, would you want to live forever if you were an addict? But as the film progressed, the powers that be rewrote the ending and decided that I wouldn't die. So what was the point? All the rules that we'd spent the entire film delineating, that Miriam lived forever and was indestructible, and all the people that she transformed eventually all died, kind of, and that I killed myself rather than be an addict, was ignored. Suddenly I was kind of living, she was kind of half dying, nobody knew what was going on, and I thought that was a shame. I agree. Yeah. But at the same time, the the rules as they were set up, she wouldn't have died. I mean, not technically. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it would have been... Like, I'm glad that Miriam got, like, a comeuppance, but it would have been equally as empower, empowering if she her comeuppance was just being alone. Right. Um, <laughs> I have a couple other little trivia things that I thought were funny David Bowie said that in order to make his voice suitably hoarse for when he aged so drastically in the movie he stood on the George Washington Bridge every night and screamed all the punk songs that he knew God love him <laughs> oh, I love him so much and in an interview with the Daily Beast in late July 2014, Susan Sarandon revealed that she had an affair with David Bowie while the two were working on this film. I mean, yeah. And Hillary's brain exploded. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Yeah, I mean, fuck, I would. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> oh. Um, so... A weird little thing, um, the film spurred a short-lived TV series of the same name called The Hunger in 97, which ran for around three years. The series, first broadcast 14 years after this movie, utilized the same title in vampire lore, but had no plot or character connections with the film. Um, it was, and I've watched a lot of it, it was an anthology series. And, like, the first season was all vampires, but then after that, it was just kind of like, whatever. And huh. David hosted it the first season. Like, maybe he'd the first two seasons. I don't know, but David hosted it. It was cool. I used to get the DVDs from work all the time and watch them. They adapted a short story by one of my favorite authors, and that's kind of how I found it, because I was like, oh, shit. They adapted one of my favorite author's works into something, and then I was like, oh, it's this thing the hunger and then i was like oh the hunger is a movie and it was just kind of like worked backwards from there very um, cool there's good episodes. yeah i wonder if it's streaming anywhere um but yeah like i said i've said this a million times but it's still true the movie is just a vibe it, not a lot happens um it's a perfect little 90 minute aesthetic adventure and it's hot <laughs> um you know if if it would have been alice it probably would have been a lot like interview 
Like the story would have probably went a lot like that. It's true. Also, I wonder how many people are in boxes before one bitch is finally like, no, sorry. <laughs> right. Because she's like, there was what was like Lilith or Lily or something. But there was a lot of other ones too. A lot of other boxes stacked there. Yeah. Which also shows you just how old Miriam must be because she was with John for like 200, 300 years. And if she had that many other lovers, holy shit, she's a bajillion years old. Yeah. I love that they're like, they do this in Interview with the Vampire too. It was just like all the way back to ancient Egypt. I'm like, okay, then why is the bitch white? (laughs) (laughs) All these fuckers being white. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, you should really watch. I think you'd be so upset about dying. Be like, thank God. Yeah, but you don't die. But she does in the end. Who? Miriam? Miriam. Well, apparently not. She's in a box screaming Sarah's name. Oh, that's true. Duh. Duh. So they are all released, but she is not. Yeah. I guess. We don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I could go up to Tony Scott right now and ask him, and he'd probably be like, oh, fucking know. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see your titties, though? Damn. <laughs> they were like, blam. <laughs> oh, God. It was funny. I was watching um, Queer for Fear. It's a docu-series on Shudder about queer horror and queer representation horror. And just talking about that horny love scene made me think of it, but it was funny. They were talking about um, the movie Bound, which I also need to do, do on this show. Have you ever seen Bound? Uh, no. It is like a noir thriller, but it has um, Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon playing lesbians and their sex in a sex scene or two in it. Oh my god, is that the girl with the freaky eyes? No. Gina Gershon's the girl from um, Showgirls, and then Jennifer Tilly is the girl from Bride of Chucky. Oh, right. I knew who Jennifer Tilly was. Okay. Who's the girl with crazy crazy eyes? The girl with freaky eyes from um... Oh, shit. We were just talking about her. She's in two different movies with what's his name? Paisan. Shit. Uh, oh, Debbie Mazar. Yeah. Yeah. No, not her. But it was funny. They were talking about how at the time, um, Jennifer was really surprised about how the Wachowskis could make these lesbian sex scenes from like a male perspective and them being so like tasteful and smart and real. And then cut to, like, a decade later, the Wachowskis both come out as trans. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so it was directed by women this whole time. They just weren't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> Makes <laughs> sense. But, I mean, I always try, you know, film snobs try to make you feel bad about enjoying something that was shot from, like, an exploitative, quote-unquote exploitative, male gazy type thing. And I'm just like, I guess I'm just... I'm gross. <laughs> I'm as much of a pervert as these men are. Cause just like, yeah, it's hot. No, I'm, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, what can you do? So 
any final thoughts on The Hunger? Not really. I do think I probably would read the book, though. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll buy it someday. I'll it to you. Um, thank you for listening. Um, like I said, The Hunger is on HBO right now, if you guys want to check it out for Halloween. It's a fun watch. Um, if you check in the episode description, you will find a link to our support page where you can make a donation towards the podcast. You can do a one-time donation or a monthly patronage. Um, either way, it'd be a huge help. Um, if you can't help us financially, you can help the podcast by sharing it. You know, retweet my links or reblog them on Facebook or anything like that to help spread the word and get us more listeners. Um, you can follow us on our social media pages as well and interact with us there. Um, thank you again to Lacey for joining me in this episode. No problem. And until next time, we are the Weirdos, mister. <laughs>